following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you are looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Hello. I hope you're having a great day. This is a great day for transformation for success. And as we are now on the Empowerment and Women channel of Voice America Today at noon, we are excited about what uh, is going on with Transformation for Success. Today, I am your co-host, Hammond Bolden, sitting in for Dr. Barbara Young. And today, we have an exciting speaker for you who will share his life story of transformational journey. Now, you know structural barriers are often listed as the reason for the current trends and decline in the African-American family structure. Dealing with black male incarceration, higher mortality rates uh, that are often pointed to some imbalanced uh, with sex ratios. And also, uh, black males make up 6% of the population, and they also make up 50% of those who are incarcerated. Yes. So this incarceration rate for the African-American males increased by a rate of more than four between the years of 1980 and 2003. So the chance of black males... Uh, being arrested and jailed at least once in their lifetime in many areas around the country are extremely high, from Washington, D.C., all the way to the west coast of California, which the probability is anywhere from between 80 and 90 percent. So today on our show, you are going to hear about the how, the what, and the why from a man who survived all those odds and broke the mold. Broke the mold, that's right. And he's none other than Pastor Michael Barrett, Jr., author, visionary, motivational speaker, and also the founder and CEO of Kingdomtainment Media Group. Uh, this awesome pastor mentors youth at two charter schools here in Compton, California, speaks to the youth at juvenile hall facilities, and also has committed his life uh, to work in ministry. Uh, so we want to hear some things and his thoughts, his transformational journey of success. And as you know, today's show is titled, Learn That Being Broken Does Not Mean Being Defeated. So we're going to hear some, some very insightful thoughts from Pastor Michael Barrett. So without further delay, I'd like to go ahead and introduce our guest today. Hello, Pastor Barrett. How are you today? Good, good. How you doing? Thank you for having me on the show today. Absolutely. Doing wonderful on this fantastic Tuesday uh, afternoon. So we're going to just Great. jump right on in here. We've uh, got a lot of exciting listeners that want to hear about transformation on how uh, did you make this tremendous transition uh, from where you were to where 
now God has you. So let's first start off, Michael, about, you know, where you were born. You said I love in Harlem. T- talk us a little bit about that fast-paced lifestyle out there and share with us a little bit more on how you had to deal with all of the circumstances that led to a lifestyle of getting involved with drugs and all these other things. Um, oh, yes. I was born in Harlem, New York. And my mother, although she was a working woman, never used drugs or anything, uh, she worked at Chase Manhattan Bank when she was in her early 20s. And she got caught up with my dad, who at the time was a street hustler in the streets of Harlem uh, back in the late 60s. And because of her love for him, uh, she wind up having a child, and that child was me. And so I was born into a lifestyle of my father being respected in the neighborhood and being that neighborhood drug dealer. And not too long after that, by the time I turned eight years old, my mother decided that she didn't want me around that type of lifestyle. So she decided to move me from Harlem, New York, to Inglewood, California. We moved out here in 1979. And in the midst of moving out here, my dad had went to prison. And when he went to prison, he actually escaped. So here I was out here in California growing up at the age of eight years old. About two years later, my dad escapes from prison. And I'm riding down the street on my bike, and the car pulls up, and it's my dad. And he brings me back to New York. And when he brought me back to New York, although I was only 10, I saw his club, and I saw the women and the money and all the material things that he had. And he was captured shortly after that. And my mom came and got me and brought me back to California. And you talked about in the opening of your show how young black men and the African-American community are just born into certain environments and things like that. And I do believe that your environment plays a major part. What you see, what you take in will affect you because it's a seed that's being sown into your life. And at my time, it was a very young age that the wrong seeds were being poured into me, although my mom poured in the right seeds, but I still had the negativity from, you know, my dad's lifestyle affecting me even as a child. Well, it, it, you mentioned uh, about how your dad t- had taken you, and so I, I guess there was a heavily influenced by him. Were, were, um, as far as you're saying about the street hustle, were there some others involved as also that may have had some influence with you? Um, when my dad went to prison, my uncle became my dad. You know, he became that father figure. He became that uh, provider. Although my mom brought me back out here and raised me in California, she would allow me to go back to New York every summer. So that uncle, he began to walk in my dad's footsteps, and I began to idolize him and hear the stories of my dad. And so that's what I wanted. You know, um, that was the lifestyle that I saw that was appealing to me in a sense of mom is working nine to five and she's, you know, making do with what she has. But Mm -hmm. here it is in their world. You know, it just seems like such an abundance. It looks like a blessing, but it's actually a, a curse that's disguised as a blessing. And I didn't know that at a young age, but I desired it and I craved that lifestyle. And when I got older and actually graduated from high school out here in California, I decided to go back to New York. And even though my mom uh, told me I should go to college. Right. So with now, did mom really have um, heavily influence? I mean, she, she here she is trying to at least give you some guidance. Uh, son, I'd, I'd rather you go to college than go to 
go, you know, back to New York. What was the compelling argument that you could say that that really drove you to just go on to New York and not think about uh, college and education? Because again, the reason I'm bringing that up is because you mentioned earlier about environment, and so if if that's all they know, then how can we educate? you know, the, the community of our African-American uh, youth into educating and letting them know that higher education is achievable, uh, uh, higher education yeah. financially is affordable. I mean, you know, were you educated? Was there anyone that came and maybe talked to you a little bit about higher ed and, and the benefits of going to get, uh, you know, an education? Yes, I, I was educated. My mother was very well educated. And what I believe happened was, and a lot of the youth today, there is a negative influence of a false reality that's being put out there, whether it's through music, whether it's through television. Uh, now we have social media. But what's actually happening is the lifestyle of wrong is being glorified and the lifestyle of right is being downplayed. So mm. for me, I saw the lifestyle of wrong as being right and right being wrong, even though my mother's voice would echo oftentimes when I was in the midst of doing wrong, you know, it was just so the, the, the individual I was being captivated by the lifestyle that I saw before me. I heard what she was saying, but then there was a whole nother picture being presented before me. And it's like the rabbit that sees the carrot, you know, he sees the mm -hmm. carrot and it becomes so enticing and he, he's so captivated by the carrot. He doesn't realize that there's a cage. He doesn't realize that there's a man standing to the side with a stick. And the moment he takes that carrot, the cage will shut him in and he'll be locked in. And I mm -hmm. believe that we as African Americans and just people in general, we make different choices in life and those choices may be mistakes. And we don't really look at the consequences. So all of the things that were provided for me, I basically rejected and went after something that presented itself as what life was all about. You know, we live in a, a fast society where you want stuff now, you know, and I realize that's where the youth are today, you know, and a lot of youth don't have the role models in their household. They don't have the role models in their community. You know, yes, you have a black president that sits in the White House, but to a youth, he's so far away from their mm -hmm. neighborhood in Compton or their neighborhood in Watts or their neighborhood in Harlem. So for them, the drug dealer, the pimp, the hustler, that the street person becomes the role model, and they begin to take on that nature, that lifestyle, which is totally wrong, which is totally false, but it's hard to tell them while they're in the midst of seeing that person every day in action, and it appears to be that he's benefiting. And when he disappears, they don't <laughs> right. realize, well, he... Yeah. Go ahead. You know, and they don't realize, well, maybe he went to prison or maybe he was killed. So the, the lifestyle, uh, more and more youth are idolizing it. And, and it's sad because even when we speak at the school in Compton where my wife and I speak, we realize that we have to get to the root of the child, not on the surface. We're, we're, we're touching them on the surface, and that's the mistake. The root, what, what, what's wrong with that child? Well, did you know his father went to prison and his mom is trying to right. raise him by herself? Did you know that she was molested when she was a young child? So right. we're getting to the root of these children, and that's how you can make the difference and make that change and transformation. Well, you know, and 
Interesting you mentioned that because, of course, we, we want to get to the root cause of a thing. And, yes. of course, you know, we're talking about uh, – you mentioned environment, uh, seeds being planted um, with different things that they idolize. You talked about a negative influence that's on our youth that creates a lifestyle that they think is right yes. but actually wrong. And you know what it reminds me of, Pastor Barrett, like deception. You know, someone yeah. told me yeah, deception yeah, means believing, believing that which is wrong to be right. So yeah. what things do you think – what ways do you think we could get involved to create opportunities uh, for, our, you know, for our youth today in these particular areas that you talked about? Um, definitely mentorship is important. They need to see role models, you know, yes. men that are not uh, one way they're talking this way, next minute they're talking that way. I mean, they can actually see them and really realize that that life is worth seeking. You know, you have young black men that have gone to college that have made careers out of themselves, you know, in, in different things that they've entered into different fields. But today it's like in the community, it, it's a struggle, you know, so nobody wants to really uh, endure the struggle. They want something fast. They want something instant. And if what you're telling them doesn't come fast or instant, they take it upon themselves and say, you know what, I'm going to go over here. So their their understanding of what love is, the gang mm -hmm. member tells them, hey, I love you. Take this gun and go shoot that person. So to them, that's love. Hey, I love you. Here's some drugs to provide for you and your family. Hey, that they, oh man, he loved me. That's my big home. But in all reality, that's not a blessing that he's handing to you. He's handing you a curse, but they <laughs> cannot understand that. Right. Well, let's you know, talk so a little bit about uh, personally with, with some things that you had to personally and deal with. I mean, yeah. okay, so we got uh, things going on. You're back east in New York, um, getting into that lifestyle. So what happened? I mean, you made that choice to get in that lifestyle. Um, yes. What consequences of those choices you made happened in your life? Um, for me, and this is a perfect example, um, when I when I rejected my mother's wisdom and when she said go to college after I graduated in 1990 and I decided to go to New York, I thought it was a blessing for me to become a part of an enterprise and become a part of an organization that my father passed down to my uncle. You know, it, was, it would be one thing if they were in the clothing business and passed the business down, you know, that would be a blessing and, and you, you have your structure right, but they passed down a drug inheritance in a sense of an organization and so I got into the midst of that and for me it was like okay now is my moment you know here come the cars here come the material things here come the women and that's what you you desire and you don't realize wait a minute you're on a path to destruction so in your mind here you are in this lane, and to you, you're thinking you have finally arrived. But in all reality, because it's a path of, path of destruction, there's only certain things that's going to happen. Either you're going to get killed or you're going to go to prison. And because of the grace of God, my situation, when I made those choices, I got myself caught up in a conspiracy where 41 people were involved, and they charged me as one of the leaders and organizers within the organization. Mm -hmm. And at 23 years old, I found myself charged with what's called a continued criminal enterprise and a drug conspiracy. And because of the street mentality, I didn't tell on anybody. I went to trial, and when I lost, I was sentenced to 262 months, you know, mm -hmm. and... That became a reality. When I was sentenced, it was like, 
Wow. But it Mm -hmm. took time for the transformation to take place because even though you're sentenced to that amount of time, you don't really comprehend yet that you're actually going to serve all (laughs) that time. So what did you do um, when you were sentenced and and incarcerated? Were you at a state level or a federal level? No, my case was a federal case. Okay. It was a federal indictment. Uh, federal case. Um, I went to trial and I lost trial and I was sentenced to 21 years and 10 months. And in the midst of that time, it really didn't hit me yet, even though I was convicted and everything, because going to trial, I reserved all my rights to appeals. And at the time, my my wife at the time, she was 19 and I was 23. And, you know, she stuck by me as many years as she could. But then there came a time where she had to go on with her life. So the reality of it was when I began to see people disappear and when I began to see year after year after year, I remember being in my cell uh, one evening looking out the window and I said to myself, how did I get myself here? How did it come to this? And what reflected, and I hadn't made this spiritual encounter yet, but what reflected just the conscience of myself, it said, the choices you made. And when I realized that, my mother's voice began to echo louder than ever. I made the wrong choices. Now, I have to face the consequences. So when, they, when, when even the Bible, when people talk about karma, but the Bible says you reap what you sow. So right. now was my time to reap all of the bad that I had put out. And it wasn't like you could just say, okay, judge, I'm sorry. I, I promise I won't do that no do more and let you right. out. No, right. now you have to reap. <laughs> yes, you have to pay the costs. Oh, if yes. you want to be the boss, yes, there is a price. If you, you're going to do the crime, you got to do the time. You got to do the time. That's what Beretta right. said. So, what do you? What did you do um, while you were incarcerated? Were some things that you did there to uh, make the change? I mean, describe uh, you know to the listeners your experience and what you had you know things that you did there while you were there. Um, initially, because of the sentence that I had, I began to get into the law library. I began to study my case. I began to study the very law that I was charged with. Um, out of 41 individuals, 18 of us was charged with a continuing criminal enterprise. A continuing criminal enterprise is a kingpin statue. Normally, only two people get that charge, but we were African-Americans, It was not a crack cocaine case, which would trigger a mandatory minimum of 20 years to life. So they had to trump some charges, which they did, uh, and they charged us with a continued criminal enterprise, 18 of us, which is unheard of. The the cartels don't even get 18 people charged with a 848 continued criminal enterprise. So in the midst of that charge, I was in the law library, and I would assist my lawyer in trying to win my appeals. But... Two years would go by, and I would get a denial from the appeals court, a Mm -hmm. denial from the district court, made it all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and was denied. And I realized that every denial was a process to bring me into alignment with the will of God, because God had to allow me to be stripped of everything in order to... Tear me down because I always thought it was about me. Money was my God. The material things was my God. And I chased all of that stuff. And then when I got it, it revealed itself not as I thought it was. So here I am now sitting saying to myself, you know what? I messed up. But now you're going to have to deal with this. 
Well, listeners uh, and Pastor Brad, we're going to take a quick break and uh, segue into at what point did you realize you needed change? And that's exactly where you had uh, left off. So we're going to come right back and talk to our exciting guest, Pastor Michael Barrett, and talk about his transformation and his life story from the streets of Harlem, drug dealing, prison life, into a life today as an author, speaker, and preacher sharing about his latest book, Surrender, and a Life of Redemption. So we'll be back, folks. Continue to tune in, and we will see you very shortly. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you feel alone, even when you're surrounded by others? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April J. Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to help you find out who you are. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone, and we're hoping continually that you're having it and making it a great day. I am your co-host, uh, Hammond Bolden, sitting in for Dr. Barbara Young, and we are having an exciting and great uh, conversation today with our speaker, Pastor Michael Barrett, Jr., and we were talking a little bit about, you know, how structural barriers are often listed as the reason and cause for the current trends and even the declines in the African-American family structure. So we wanted to bring in a guest for you today that can share with you how he broke the mold and turned his life around uh, for transformation. So where we left off, we talked about, uh, Pastor Barrett, with your experience incarceration and your, how you uh, uh, dealt with that and some things that you uh, were able to share with the listeners. So we talked about, and as we left, at what point did you realize that you needed change or that you needed to change? Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Um, it came a point in my life where I realized I needed change when 
I stop blaming everybody else for my choices. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, when we're doing what we're doing, it's all about us. But then when we get caught with our hand in the cookie jar, we begin to blame the system. We begin to blame friends. We begin to blame this one and that one. And I realized that it came a time in my life where I had to point the finger at myself. And when I mm-hmm. did that, that was the moment where I realized, okay, you messed up. Now you can spend the rest of your time in here and come out worse, or you can spend time in here and come out better. And I realized at that moment, I began to start reading. I began to start, you know, uh, getting that spiritual application that my mother had always told me about. Um, When I was a child, she took me to church, and that seed began to start manifesting on the inside of me. And I believe uh, nine years into my sentence, I had what I believe was a spiritual epiphany where I just came into alignment with God's purpose for my life. And the book is called Surrender About My Life Story, but that's what I had to do. I had to surrender my life to God. And in the midst of my surrendering, I made a conscious decision. I made a decision to say, you know what, I've already been on the other side. I know what it is, the false reality. I was willing to give my life for the streets only to realize in return I was sentenced to all of this time. And what did I gain? I lost everything. I put my family through so much hurt, heartache, and pain, my children, and I felt like I played myself. And I made a promise to God inside that prison in my cell. I said, Lord, if you get me through this, I lost the Supreme Court. My wife left. Everything, everything had been taken away, material things, everything. I said, Lord, you get me through this. Mm-hmm. I promise you, you have a soldier for life because I had been a soldier for the devil. you either on God's side or you on the devil's side, good and evil, and they both <laughs> don't go together. And I realized that I had been... Uh, deceived to believe that that was the life, this was the way to go. And once I realized it wasn't, I said, okay, I need to better myself. So for me, jail became my Yale. You know, uh, it became my seminary school. It became my Yale, my education. And I began to enlighten myself and begin to just seek more knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to make me a better person. You know, I wanted to come out of that prison as a not a demolition man, not someone that's in the community tearing the community down, but I wanted to come out as a construction worker, somebody that can build up the community, somebody that can pour into the lives of youth and say, hey, I've been there, I've done that. Don't make those same choices. Somebody that they can relate to. You know, sometimes they find it difficult to relate to the pastor or or, or, or to the educational, the teacher, somebody, because they don't see them in the light as they see themselves. But when mm-hmm. somebody has been in the church, has been in the dirt, the muck, and the mire, and they say, hey, listen, I used to be there. I know when I go into the juvenile halls, I remember the exact seat where I sat, you know, the back row in the chapel where I used to sit when people would come in and talk. And so I can tell them, hey, I sat where you've sat. I've been where you've been. But I also yes. know that there's greatness in the inside of you, but you have to want to be changed. And that's well, what yeah. I wanted for myself. I wanted to change. I wanted to now yes. listen to my mother. Yes, it took the isolation. It took the incarceration. It took, but I look at it like God had that 
uniquely designed and say, you know what, I'm going to spare his life, but I'm going to place him somewhere where I'm going to get his attention. And when I get a hold of him and start pouring into him, I'm going to use him for my glory. And that's what has happened in my life when I surrendered to him inside that prison. And that's where I am today. You know, Surrender uh, is the title of your book, From the Streets to the Feds to the Pulpit. You know, and surrendering at best could be difficult for most people. Most people even maybe even visualize surrender as putting your hands up, giving up. Uh, and and yeah. some folks, and, yeah, and really that's not it at all. Really, not. Exactly. Identify. <laughs> so why, let's talk a little bit about a, a defining moment or maybe something very significant. And why don't you share with us what was the most significant moment for you that could have been your why should I or why uh, – uh, writing this book, what, what, why am I doing this? You know, was it something you heard, something you felt, or you know, some significant or possible defining moment uh, for you uh, on basically what surrender meant to you and why should I write this book? Um, su- surrender for me, um, I talk about it in the book. One uh, significant thing happened in the book um, when I was in the streets. You know, I, I, like I said, I did a lot of wrong, and there was a. a situation that arose. I was about 12 years into my prison sentence, and I had been saved for about two years. And I I said, you know, I surrendered my life to the Lord, and I was excited about it. And I ran across someone who was an old enemy of mine um, because of me. I I caused things to happen to that person, and we became enemies. And when I met and we crossed paths in the prison, here I was now, this man of God. I was in the prison uh, ministering to staff members, ministering to inmates, my family on the outside. But my biggest challenge came when we crossed paths, and I began to minister to that person and ask for forgiveness, and that person forgave me, and it allowed me to know that I had really surrendered my life to the Lord, because normally I would have reacted in a whole nother way. So I took that on and I say, this is real. This is really happening. This is really my life. It's not just a prison transformation. This is who I am. God has really changed my life and he is going to use me. And I would always speak that over my life, regardless to who thought it was just prison religion or whatever it may be. And then other people spoke into my life, wardens and staff members that I had preached to, they would speak into my life and tell me that God is going to use you. So once I forgave myself and once I surrendered, and surrender is not just about putting your hands up in Mm -hmm. a sense of surrendering to the police. A lot of times we don't want to surrender to anything, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's surrender is just coming into submission to that whichever has rule over you in a sense of a lot of times we don't want to, for me, I didn't surrender to the police, nor did I surrender to the voice of my mother. So it's bigger than just put your hands out and come up, you know, you're under arrest, that type of surrender. But surrendering yeah. is to a greater cause, to an authority. You know, in our communities, we need to surrender to each other in a sense of let's work together. There was a time where they said a village will take to raise these children, but now everybody's doing it on their own. You can't go and expect your neighbor to discipline your child because you can't discipline your own child. You'll get in trouble. You know, so look how far we've gone. And, and it's like the, the children, the youth are trying to run the streets. You know, well, you where know, are the community leaders? Where are the mentors? Yeah. You know, we need to get back on the front line and don't be afraid of them. They ought to be afraid of us. Well, Pastor, that leads me into this next question, uh, you know, because you talked about surrendering. And you know what? 
but I, I see about some of the fears uh, in obstacles that people would have. Have, have to face when you're talk, talking about surrender. So I want to ask you personally, what fears, uh, challenges, and obstacles did you have to overcome about fully surrendering every aspect of your life? Because I know there were some things that we don't want to give up, um, some things that we may be fearful of surrendering to. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what fears and obstacles that uh, did you have to overcome about fully surrendering and how it changed your life. I think one of the biggest fears and obstacles in people's lives, and it was mine, what other people would think. You know, we have an image that we attempt to portray, and that image, you say, if they don't see me in that light, what would they think? You know, in prison, what would they think uh, about me if I'm carrying a Bible in the prison yard or I'm out here preaching to somebody? But if you can... uh, get through that and you can do it in there, you can preach anywhere, you know, because you're in the penitentiary and you're going to ex-gang members and, and, and well-known murderers and say, hey, man, listen, Jesus loves you. I'm here to tell you. And you got their attention, you know, and they're listening in there. But that that's a fear because you have preachers in the pulpit today that are afraid to come out of their church, go to the dope house and knock on the door and say, hey, the Lord loves you, but you're going to have to clean up your act. Or you go into the trenches or go into the prisons and speak because there's a fear. So fear has tried to grip each and every one of us. But for me to overcome the fear, I had to put my trust in God. And that's what happened when I crossed paths with the person who we were enemies. I didn't say, okay, I'm going to go in my strength and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I gave it to God and I put my life in God's hands. So when God manifested himself and worked the situation out, I said to my, let's trust God. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I was curious on what leaders, uh, mentors, um, as you were going through your process and journey of surrendering, did you look to and listen to, uh, you know, were there specific quotes, inspirational quotes that, that kind of kept you going on and kept your hope alive? Talk to a little bit about that. What, what, who, may, who as well as what, what things you did, and, and then who were some of the leaders and, and uh, mentors that you looked up to that helped you through your tough times? Um, they, they had a lot of... Uh, volunteers that would, the different prisons I was in, they had a lot of volunteers that would come in. And a lot of people in prison don't get visits. You know, a lot of people don't get mail. When a volunteer shows up, someone that doesn't get paid for coming in and and, and taking time out to minister to you or to enlighten you, for me, that spoke volumes. You know, anybody would come in for a paycheck and talk to you, you know, but when people came in and say, hey, I'm not getting paid for this, you know, I, I just have a love in my heart to, to reach reach out to people, um, that was special. So I, I definitely, in my book, I give acknowledgement to, um, there was a warden, Warden Thomas, who would always, she would always speak into my life. Um, there were staff members in prison who were over me, you know, um, they were speaking to my life and they said, listen, Mr. Barrett, in spite of what you have done, you may be a number now, 0653052, that may be your number now, but one day you're going to get out of here and you're going to have to be changed, you know, and they would speak that, but then you had some people that would speak the negative, oh, you ain't going to be nothing, you're always going to come back, but those who spoke positive into my life. Um, Miss Cathcart was a lady that worked in the institution who would mm-hmm. speak into my life, who would 
speak God's word into my life. I mean, just so many different people. And then my mother and, and my uncle, he decided to change his life on the outside, and he became involved in the ministry, you know, the same uncle I looked up to. So God was bringing things full circle, and people's lives or now having a positive impact instead of a negative because I begin to know the different voices. If somebody would try to breathe on me in a sense of speaking from a negative sense, you know, oh, man, we get out, we could do this, I already knew because I had already been there. So I knew not to entertain that type of conversation. So I was looking for those type of conversations that's going to enlighten me, that's going to elevate me beyond the level that I was on because that street level, is it just a level of destruction and we have to realize that because there's greatness in us there's another level that we have to uh, arise to and that's right. what I sought to arise to that ne next level so would you say uh, I guess working uh, with some of these mentors or people that you did look up to uh, of course they must have had an influence on your life and so what would you say couple of things would you take as a whole from even the, each of these people today because of your life-changing experience and how are you practicing some of those things today um definitely what i have taken uh i i say in my book that each one of them the part that they played in my life was a fabric to the coat that I wear. And mm -hmm. when you meet people and they come into your life, some will take away from you and some will add to you. Add the to people you, that added to my life and, and stitched that fabric together and allowed me to become who I am, they were used by God. On my journey, he placed certain people there and they would give me a tool whether it was wisdom, whether it was knowledge, whether it was some form of enlightenment that would encourage me and help me on the journey. So what they brought into my life was what I needed because they revealed the truth, you know, and as the truth was revealed, the false reality was beginning to expose itself for what it really was. Right. Well, you know, we're going to take a little short break here in a, in a minute or so, but I just wanted to touch on this. It's, it has been said uh, that I've actually heard Pastor Barrett that it's, it's easily actually incarcerated to live a life of the gospel than it is to live a life of the gospel being out here free. And the reason that I've heard that is because being incarcerated, there are a lot of different distractions that aren't as much. And there are some, probably, of course, we know incarceration, but there tends to be much more that are distractions on the out. So maybe we yeah. want to address a couple of those um, uh, folks who've had those kinds of questions like, you know, well, yeah, it's easy to do that and preach and get the gospel while you're in jail, but I wonder how you're living out here. So yeah. we become yeah. microscopes and you're living in glasses houses and we know people have stones uh, that they're ready to throw in their pockets, you know, but we let's talk a little bit about that when we come back, um, just about that transition, knowing that as you're now coming out, you know, in what ways you're a different person and how has the experience impacted some of the decisions that you're making today. Now you're being husband, you know, father, you know, moving in ministry, doing greater and bigger things that you may not have even known that was about to happen. So we're going to talk a little yeah. bit about that. So listeners, I want you to continue to tune in. We're having an exciting uh, transformational story today with Pastor Michael Barrett, uh, awesome man of God that's doing some great things, author, visionary, and motivational speaker. And so we'll be back in a few seconds here. So stay tuned and don't touch that dial. Find out.
out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. On It's Absolutely All About You, host Eileen Nunez bases her show on the forthcoming book of the same name. If you've been taught to hold your head high and keep your self-esteem in check, Where do you go if you aren't yet achieving that goal? Each program is based on a chapter of the book and comes from Eileen's many years of experience in order to help you find your inner peace. Listen for It's Absolutely All About You, live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we want to uh, go ahead and uh, again uh, introduce, we have an awesome guest today, Pastor Michael Barrett, Jr., author, visionary, motivational speaker, and also founder and CEO of Kingdom Tainment Media Group. I want to share a little bit that, uh, you know, like most people, you know, you want success and you want it now. <laughs> hmm, but, tra- yeah. but transformational change takes work, and sometimes many hmm. people want to bypass the work. But there are things you must do to get results. And it is an empowering lesson to learn from others who have achieved the level you desire so that you can learn transformational success more rapidly. So we're going to jump right on in here with Pastor Michael Barrett to help you listeners be able to achieve a level of success that you desire. How did this man turn his life around? How did he get through this of 18 to 20 plus years of incarceration and to come out and make an impact in his community and to the lives of those around you? So again, welcome to the show, Pastor Barrett. Uh, We're going to jump right on in here and talk about how the experience you just mentioned before the break, uh, the life-changing experience, and how it's impacted the decisions that you make today, knowing now your pastor, you know, husband and father and business owner and CEO. So talk to us a little bit about how your experiences impacted the decisions that you made today. 
Um, I, you talk about transformation, and nobody wants to go through the process. And for me, when I went into the prison, I had no idea the outcome. You know, I had no idea that God would use me because, first and foremost, I felt I was unworthy because of the lifestyle I used to live. But once I came into the connection with God and got the spiritual enlightenment, he filled me with his spirit, and I felt the presence of God. What happened for me was I felt, okay, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Now God is going to grant my appeal, and I'm going to walk out of this place. And that hmm. didn't happen. Um, it took years for it to happen. So what God had to do with me now is sanctify me, set me aside. And for the prison, it became that incubator. It became that place where God had allowed me to go through the process. And although everybody spoke into my life and told me that God has great things in store for you, when you get out, you're going to do great things for God, I still had to go through a process. And the process is just like the story with Joseph. Joseph was told by God when he was 17 years old in a dream that he would be be uh, in a place where his brothers and his fathers and them would come down and bow to him. He had no understanding, but he was so excited that God was going to use him, but God never told him the cost. He never told him what he was going to have to go through, and mm -hmm. Joseph had to endure false accusations. He had to endure being in prison, but surely God's promise came to pass, and he placed him right in second command next to the Pharaoh. And what God did, he allowed Joseph to go through everything he went through so that he could prepare the way for his people. So it's not even about myself. God is just using my story, my testimony, what I went through, what I had to endure to show mm -hmm. people that it is possible, no matter where that person is, maybe in a prison cell, maybe out, strung out on drugs, drug dealing, gang banging, mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. all kinds of evil, but God loves sinners, and God still can reach that person where they are. So for me, my message, my transition is a message of hope, a message of redemption to show a person that it doesn't matter where they've been or where they are. And yes, you're going to have people that say, that's just prison religion, but for me, I knew that I had committed my life to God. And for me to be out in the time that I've been out and still on this path is just a fire that has been burning in me ever since. When I go into the juvenile halls and I speak to the youth, it's just mm -hmm. a reminder of how that person tried to get my attention. And God tell me, don't ever give up on anybody because I never gave up on you. On you. And that That's right keeps me motivated. It keeps <laughs> me uh, just staying the course because I don't have time to listen to the naysayers. You know, the naysayers, I, I, I don't have time for that. What I have time for is to stay on the mission that God has me on for his glory. You know, my testimony is for the glory of God. I don't boast and brag about where I've been, but I tell people it's the wrong path. But God can turn it around and God can make it right for you. You know, that kind of leads me into this next question, which I think may really be right on. As we look around today, you know, in the lifestyle of so many uh, young African-American men, Pastor, uh, what would you say to others who find themselves in a situation that may be similar to yours? Yes. Um, what, what I would be able to tell them is don't allow yourself to be deceived. Don't allow yourself to think that, 
that life is the best life. Um, person may be trapped right now. It may be, you know, this is a time where everything is just caving in on that person. But don't ever give up. You know, it was times where I was in the prison. And the enemy told me, you'll never get out of here. And and I had to battle with those thoughts. You know, I had to battle with the thoughts of, you know, yes, I am going to get out of here. Yes, I am going to do greatness. So I began to use the negative, in a sense, to become few. It's crazy because I used it, the negative words, in a positive way. And that meant what I did was I took those officers or whoever said, oh, you ain't going to be nothing, this ain't going to happen, that's not going to happen. I used that as fuel to propel me to where I had to go. And I use that now to say, you know what, don't ever let nobody speak into your life something contrary to what God has already spoken into your life. If God has said it, then it shall be done. And a lot of times we allow people to speak over our life. We allow people to give us a title and define who we are. My number did not define who God created me to be. My number was just a part of my process to get me to the destiny in which God had for me. Well, you know, that's important you brought that up because I know that you can share with us maybe some of the top two or three principles that you learned through your experience that has caused you now to grasp a hold of some very uh, powerful uh, transformational uh, testimonies. Um, what two or three lessons or principles do you think you've learned that you're still using today you could share with the people? Um, definitely one thing I realized, uh, I didn't have patience. Um, patience makes a difference. Um, being patient allows you to look at things from all perspectives, you know, and a lot of times we look at something and we just rush into it. I didn't have that. And what I also realized, the most important thing for me was having that encounter, that spiritual encounter. Um, you can educate a person. I'm not against education. I'm not against a lot of the things that are in place that are helping people where they are. But I know for me, the transformation came through Jesus Christ, and that's what helped transform me. The Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So my mind had to be renewed because it was thinking a certain way. And if a person is thinking a certain way and you don't tap into that mindset and bring forth change, then they will continue to think that way. That's why you have some rappers who were in the streets selling drugs, doing wrong. When they get into the office with the CEO status, they have the CEO title, but they still have a street mindset. So what you have to do is be able to transform the mind because when it thinks it, that's when it acts on it. So you, if you can get into the mind of the person, begin to transform that mind, then you begin to transform their actions. Well, who, who are the people now that may continue to inspire you uh, in, in today's climate, I mean, an environment with so much turmoil as we've been seeing and disaster, you know, in our young people's lives, um, who are the people that still inspire you today and what continues to inspire you to, to continue to move on? Um, inspire me uh, right now. I'm a, I'm a minister under one of the biggest ministries here in Compton, California. Uh, Apostle Ronald C. Hill. Um, I'm also a ministry development manager at a Christian television network. Um, my wife, my mom, 
people that I know, uh, uh, it, it's inspiring to see people that's doing great things. Kingdom work. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm about. And the people that are doing kingdom work for God's glory, they inspire me. Because at the end of the day, I know that's what it's about. Amen. I heard that. Well, how does the experience that you personally have reveal what transformation for success is all about? How, do, how does that experience reveal what transformation, change, uh, as you said, a renewing of your mind, knowing that that mindset had to be renewed? How does your, those experiences reveal the transformation for success in your life today? Well, for for me, um, Kingdom Tainment was an opportunity for me. W- when I was young, I was in the streets. I had a recording studio, um, different business things that I was doing aside from the illegal business I was doing. And I had gifts. I had talents. But I was using them in the wrong way. So for me, when I was given the vision for Kingdom Tainment, what that is is kingdom work, you know, uh, Kingdom Tainment, whether it's books, whether it's uh gospel music, uplifting, encouraging books and movies and different things like that. That's mm-hmm. what it's about because that's what I felt that I was doing before. But at the end of the day, I was still sowing the wrong seed into people's lives. Right. You know, someone had mentioned to me that sometimes the wrong in, uh, wrong input tends to give out the wrong output. output and your, that's right. That's and then right. your output can never exceed your input. So if that's right, and, and that, that's so true, <laughs> and we don't we don't realize we don't realize how true that is, in that sense. Yes. Well, lastly, as we get ready to wrap up and close, Pastor Barrett, can you give the listeners maybe one or two principles about this absolute topic that we actually had entitled "That Delay Doesn't Mean Denial." Oftentimes, mm. I mean, personally, even I can, can say sometimes when something is not snap grab or something hasn't happened at my timing, I may think that it's a no. So let's talk about what things you had to learn through a delay doesn't mean a denial. A denial. Um, That's a great great question because uh, in the midst of the appeals, that taught me that a delay is not a denial. I wanted it when I wanted it to happen. And had I been released when I thought I was ready, Mm-hmm. it would have been all bad because, again, my mindset wasn't ready. So the delay had to just hold me in a holding pattern. It's like an airplane. The plane you got on, it's going to land. But sometimes the weather, sometimes the different turbulence, it causes the plane to make a pattern in the air, a holding pattern, and it's going to land. But what we think and what we decide is like, okay, I want to land right now. Maybe there's something on the runway. Maybe there's something in a person's life. If they arrive today, it'll be a total wreck. So we have to trust that God's plan is the best plan. So when you say a delay is not a denial, we have to be patient and say, you know what? This, as the Bible says, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. So it might look bad now. It might look like it's no way out of it, but it will work out for your good if you just hold on and don't give up. You know, uh, that segues into a a great closing, uh, Pastor Barrett, and I I really want to thank you uh, for sharing your personal insight and your personal journey and story of redemption and know that it's 
truly made an impact on many of our listeners today. Uh, and folks, as, as we close, um, on behalf of Dr. Young and myself, and uh, truly uh, an honor to have our special guest, Pastor Barrett, on the show, we wish you continued success uh, with your book tours. I understand you're doing some tours here, and I understand your story also has been adapted into a faith-based feature film, uh, which yeah. will be definitely uh, on the lookout for. And also the opportunity to share your story, which truly will reach, uh, I'm very certain, youth around the world with a message of hope, encouragement, and redemption. So as we share with uh, the folks today with your message that life does not necessarily end when you make a mistake. You can correct it and become a great example of how God wants to use your life to make a difference. So again, thank you, Pastor Barry, for taking the time to be on the Transformations for Success show. So listeners, as we close, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, On behalf of Dr. Barbara Young, who will return uh, next Tuesday. And again, remember, we're also syndicated on Wednesday at 12 noon on Woman's Channel. As she closes, she always says she would like you folks to uh, don't be bitter, but to be better and to be Mm. encouraged, to be lifted, to be informed, and to ever be forever transform. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you all. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week.